Lucas Mancini. The the listeners have been on edge. It seems that sometimes um, it's it's the times where we're not on the podcast where somebody, well, I guess you in this case, because I don't think we've done a podcast without me yet, but it seems that that's when the world needs you most. Sometimes <laughs> you keep them waiting on the edge of their seat. Uh, I have to make mention right away because this was in our previous ECL episode. We got a couple of emails that specifically were asking about the Lucas Mancini Hall of Kings and any updates to that. But it seems that there's an update on the hall, uh, the status of the hall itself. So could you please um, inform us what's the latest? Yes. Well, first and foremost, Nihau will. Uh, uh, Nihau. Yeah. Uh, uh, secondly, um, uh, it's the year of the ox. Um, and so I've actually retired the Hall of Kings for 2021. So, mm. uh, as it stands, the Hall of Kings was purely a, uh, 2020 phenomena. Um, and I can't remember where we were, you know, who was the last entry, uh, that we had last checked in with? Was it Diogenes? Was it Frank Costanza? <laughs> was it, uh, Porco Rosso? Was it Malcolm X? Could it have been Robocop? Could it have been, uh, Kitaro from Golden Boy or Phil Oaks or Lou Reed or, uh, <laughs> Scatman John? Winnie the Pooh? Some of these I'm, I'm like, even questioning myself. <laughs> Harvey Keitel, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Donald Duck. Mac Tonight. Do you remember Mac Tonight? I do. Uh, you know what? I'd kind of go uh, uh, on Mac Tonight. I think he's a little bit of an itway hour pay uh, symbol Vince, these days. Vince, Vince Coleman. Thomas okay, Sankara. Yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, TJ Detweiler. Winnie the Pooh. Spawn. <laughs> lots of. Of course, lots, Spawn's on uh, there. Christopher from The Sopranos. Lots of, lots of uh, variety. Uh, I, yeah, I don't remember... Um, the last time we checked in, who was on it and who was off, but the, the hall is quite expansive, but its doors have closed for the year of the ox. Uh, uh, maybe someday they'll be opened again, but for now, uh, we have, we have, uh, finished the hall of Kings for the time being. We have said, uh, Zai John to the hall of Kings, which I think my, that was my butchering pronunciation of goodbye. Do you think we would have learned something from that episode we did on Sagwa? But uh, it seems not. All right, there it is. An update on the Lucas Mancini Hall of Kings as we begin the final ECL episode, the final episode of Elwood City Limits for this season of Arthur. My name's Will Young. Lucas Mancini is, of course, the uh, the one presiding over the hall. And uh, it's good to have you back again, Lucas. I you, like It just seems that sometimes, um, you know, we have a, the rare episode where you don't show up and then people are People are almost as if they can sense it. They're like, I have a question for Lucas that he's not going to be able to answer for two weeks. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's always nice to know that I'm being thought of. In fact, it makes me want to say, just a second, I have to click uh, play on this Google Translate to understand how to pronounce this properly. Just give me a second. Oh, brother. It makes me want to say, which is, is again, my awful uh, Chinese pronunciation of thank you, I think. I think that's thank you. Said said me. I don't know. I was about to I was about to mansplain your pronunciation based on what I learned from Sagwa when I was a kid. But you know what? I'm not Chinese, so I think I'll just <laughs> spare us of that one. Yes, there's going to be quite a bit of talk about that um, 
that sort of thing with this final episode. It's quite a special episode that we have coming up here on Elwood City Limits uh, for many reasons. And, uh, of course, one of those being that we get to hear from you, the listener. Now, we only have one email this week that was sent in to us from ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And then another email that was sent, but it's not uh, not to be read. It's more of something, more of a guideline, let's say. Uh, so let's go to the one that is meant to be read. And that comes to us from, I want to say, Dana? Dana? Maybe? It's D-A-N-A-H. So apologies on the pronunciation. Again, you can send in your emails, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And this one has to do with the new batch of Arthur episodes that have just premiered on PBS Kids. And this is their accounting of the remake of The Great McGrady. That's right. The Uh, final season. Well, I, I think I think we might have one more after this, quote unquote, and the, of course, the penultimate season, the penultimate season. <laughs> and nothing final has been announced by PBS kids that I'm aware of just yet. This is all kind of uh, informed speculation, let's call mm, it conjecture and hearsay. Mm-hmm. So this email was called the Great McGrady four out of 10 user score. And they write, while I understand the need to redo this episode was absolutely necessary, so uh, this is an episode we haven't covered on the show yet, but it has to do, I think we'll be coming up on it sooner rather than later, it has to do with Mrs. McGrady, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the original episode featured Lance Armstrong in the cam in the cameo, the guest star role. So while I understand the need to redo this episode was necessary, it's the execution that fell flat for me. The graphics and aesthetic choices were a serious downgrade from the original version. The original with its animation carried with it more of a weight and warmth akin to a coming home from school vibe that really drives the subject matter to a serious and simultaneously understandable level that proudly earns its E rating, despite the controversy being its main detractor. Whereas the new version felt like it treated its subject matter almost goofishly and the limited expressive animation from the flash era leaves characters looking somewhat doll-like and lifeless it also stifles the action in the charity event so it makes it hard to root for them while trying to hold back laughter over how terrible it looks all in all i know the developers at pbs meant well but this just didn't do it for me and maybe a few patches could help but i won't be holding out for additional dlc i hardly wait your review on this episode in the future that is from dana or dana sorry for the uh kind of double pronunciation there it's good to hear from people about kind of the newer stuff and arthur i really don't watch the new stuff and that's i don't own a television and there's no real uh, good way for me to kind of get my hands on it but of course we've made our feelings about what what little we've seen from the new arthur episodes known we're not we're not crazy about them let's say um i'm just looking here when we're going to encounter the so the great mcgrady is uh, not going to be next season of Arthur, but the season after. So we're okay. ending season 11 in this episode. Then we're going into season 12. The Great McGrady is in season 13. No, it'll be interesting. Like before all this discussion regarding the Great McGrady, I had no idea that there was straight up remakes of old Arthur episodes in the Flash era. Um, mm-hmm. And that'll be kind of a interesting um, intellectual exercise, for lack of a better term, on its own. It'll be kind of like, uh, I, I, you, I know you're going to be excited I'm bringing this up, Will. It'll be like comparing the Snyder Cut uh, to the old version. Well, actually, uh, and, and all the, the fun of, of kind of being like, okay, these are uh, basically two interpretations of the same for story or the same script, and it'll be interesting to pick out the differences and what works in one and what works in the other and so on and so forth. 
Well, I mean, you're not wrong about that. And, and, and it does operate in a very similar sense. So, yeah, I actually I think what I think you make a cogent point there. Um, and I mean, I think we should when we get to that episode and geez, like whatever amount of years it takes for us to get to that, um, we should talk about the new episode, even if in just kind of a glancing way. We should just kind of make reference to what what changes were made. Otherwise, we would be expecting people to wait uh, potentially double digit years for us to get to it. I've not really uh, I know a listener kind of did the rate of uh, how we cover Arthur and like how long it would take for us to finish the series. But I know that's that was before we started the Patreon show. So it's probably double mm. by this length. And also we could always just do, you know, the ECL flash forwards. There's a precedent for this. That is true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it might be worth doing that. Uh, and I think we will when we get to it, which will be in a little while. So thank you uh, for the email there. Elwood city limits at gmail.com. Also want to send a special thank you to everybody who supports us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood city limits. Our most recent episode of for the kids, PBS kids podcast involved us talking about the adventures of Doug. The Dragon, very familiar probably to our uh, Canadian listeners who are closer to our age, and uh, definitely worth looking at in terms of if you like weird, kind of cringy, public access type uh, children's content. (laughs) Uh, And I want to give a special shout out to some of our patrons, including our newest Baby Show Addict is their name. Great name. Uh, as well as Kelly Corbett. We have Casey Cosmos. We have Vinny Cataldo, who is very active on the Discord. We have a lot of activity going on in the Discord recently, and I'm very happy for everybody uh, who uh, who does that. So thank you very much. Uh, Sydney Long, Bob Yee, Allison Archambault, Mary Archambault, Hannah Kitten. We have Joe Low Flo. We have Greg Agai and Yoshi, Melissa Avales, and Rachel Pearson, and Kat and Aaron DeFilippo and Jake Bailey and Shayna Bennett and William and more. Thanks everybody for supporting us at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We've got some fun stuff coming very, very soon as we get ready to end this season of Arthur. So why don't we do that? Once again, it's a special double episode. No two stories in this one. It's all one big story. And wouldn't you know it, it's about our favorite character. It's all about Big Brother Binky. That's right. What better way? You know, the old adage is there has to be a big key episode in the top five, um, top five end of the season list. And we almost made it out of this season uh, without one, it was seeming like. And right at the finish line, here's not only really one binky episode, but kind of, well, an extra long binky episode as opposed to just kind of a short regular length one. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, let's we'll we'll see indeed if this will make it onto the onto the seasonal top five list as we talk about it here. So we start off with this one. And I, I also am aware that a lot of people have been waiting for us to talk about this because this does introduce something that will change the Arthur canon at least it better going forward. So it starts off with Binky. He is uh, he is traveled long and far to the top of a great mountain and he is seeking to learn the way of the big brother from mm-hmm. Arthur mm-hmm. very much like a, a martial arts film it kind of yeah. reminded me a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima 
I think it's directly a parody of like the 1970s show Kung Fu with David Carradine. Ah. Um, Like the whole climbing up to the top of the mountain and the way uh, Arthur trains. Uh, I think there's even like a reference to like you have to take the pebble from my hand and all that jazz. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and yeah, them them talking about like, oh, the way he talks about uh, crying sister is very similar to like, oh, crane's leg or or, uh, jumping tiger. Like it's very... um, reminiscent of yeah kung fu with david carradine which is not something that any of the viewers of the show with the exception (laughs) of the adults would be familiar with i'm certainly not familiar with it myself but yeah arthur has move move uh or i should say technique titles like eagle retaining remote and big brother becomes the wind and then binky's ultimate test he's kind of dressed in a bruce lee style fashion here or maybe a kung fu fashion like you said uh is to test his his might on dw who is the ultimate kind of challenge in this regard so it's all a little bit of a fantasy and it leads into we get the we get this pretty early on after the cold open Binky's at dinner with his parents and they just say that they're going to be adopting a baby. So mm-hmm. that's that's the whole entire thrust of this whole episode is uh the Barneses are adopting a baby from China. I first wanted to start off with um Lucas, when did you first learn about adoption? Hmm. About like you did, I, I think it's something that, you know, when you're young, you want you may or may not understand, you know, you might have the, like the stork talk or something like that. Or maybe your parents just are straight with you about where babies come from. But when did you first learn about adoption? I would have been really young. I think it's like from barely before I can remember. I remember being really young and and um, I think being in. Uh, see, it's even harder to recall memories from this time because it would have been so long ago. Definitely early sure. single digits. Uh, but I remember being introduced to uh, a family friend uh, who were going through very similar circumstances uh, as this. Um, they were adopting a baby from China. Um, and I think that uh, I, I was curious about that situation and was asking my parents about that situation. So I, I, I became aware of adopt, ad, adoption at a very young age. How about yourself, Walt? So I, I did as well. I think that, um, you know, there was at least some media that talked about adoption or you know talked about how sometimes you can mm. have someone in a family that's not, you know, biologically not these kinds of words, but you know, who's not, uh, who's somebody that you bring into the family who's not born from your mom and dad. Hmm. I, Rugrats, my, for instance, it's a great early example. Yeah, that is a good example. Good yeah. one. And 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 this kind of very similar situation too. Uh, Kimmy uh, was is is Chucky's adopted sister. Um, I first learned about it because my godfather and his wife adopted a young girl. Uh, who is my age? Like I went to I went to school with her at at, at points. So um, and yeah, so that's I've I've been familiar. I've been fr- friends with her with it, with her for a long time, and that's she was like the first adopted person that I ever met. And it's like very clear, like they're from the uh, her parents and her are from two different racial backgrounds. So it was immediately like, oh, that's that's different. And then my parents explaining what adoption means to me. So that's kind of where I first heard about it. Um, International adoption, though, is not something I was super familiar with. In fact, uh, for some of this episode, like after it was done, I talked with my wife because she is something of an adoption specialist. She so, you know, I don't want to get too into it, but her family 
um, her mother and father are foster parents and they've foster, they continue to foster kids to this day. And they're also, they've also adopted a couple of their foster parents. So my wife knows a lot about the foster, the foster and adoption system in Canada. And she's also very knowledgeable about adoption in general. So I asked her a couple of things about international adoption and well, I'll kind of bring them up a little bit later, but mm. that's where my information is kind of coming from with some of this. Um, so yeah, they're going to be adopting a baby. Binky's not really kind of doesn't get it at first. And yes, he just, he, he excuses himself from the table because worldwide wide world of wet wrestling is on in two minutes. WWW. And yeah. He, he can't, you know, he can really sit with this new information, this big monumental occasion in a moment, but you know, first things first, uh, he's got to catch up on WWW and what is it? The timber twins. So the timber twins we've seen before, and apparently they're going to be taking on Horace the hacksaw next week. So a lot of lumber-based characters. I feel like we need some new gimmicks in WWW. Um, you know, we have hacksaws and we have and and, and timber. Um, maybe let's switch it up, boys. Later on, we have like a construction guy who may or may not be real in the in the in the fiction of Arthur. But uh, yeah, very workmanlike. They, I think they might be going through like a a new generation type of era, like in the '90s, where like everybody had to have a profession. Yeah, what was what was William Regal's when he was a real man? The, re, the real the real man's man, Stephen Regal. Yes. <laughs> He's a man, such a man, such a man, uh, and so on. So yeah, Binky is v- focused on wrestling, but um, the eventually his dad and his mom have to explain to him that like, no, the baby is coming to live with us and be a part of our family. And then Binky is actually super excited. He is, uh, he's really looking forward to becoming a big brother. I appreciated that this was kind of introduced in almost. You know, I, I suppose more of a basic way, but it's it, but it's to let everybody in who do, may not even know what adoption is, because it's previously the closest that we've come to adoption, at least that I can remember personally from Arthur, is the first thing I thought of was Sue Ellen's, like her her quote unquote adopted brother, uh, Tenzin, the one that she's like pen pals with. Remember at the end of remember that Sue Ellen episode where she wishes she had a brother or sister, and yes. then. Her parents, yes. like, uh, I think they do the kind of, like, um, send sending Tenzin in, um, yes. I want to say it was Tibet, I think. Uh, you know, that that's that sort of adoption, but not, like, bringing him into the home sort I, of thing. I also think at some point, uh, both Arthur and D.W. have accused one another of being adopted. <laughs> yeah, it's more, more, more of an insult or a threat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so this is really, this is, we're introducing the concept and we're doing it in a way that everybody can understand. Yeah. Vicky uh, is kind of a, um, a stand in for the audience that he, he is really where you and I had learned about adoption at quite a young age. Binky is in the third grade and he really hasn't see, doesn't seem like he's heard of the concept before like at first yeah he thinks the the new baby is going to be pen pals similar to uh Sue Ellen's relationship but yes. then it's explained to him like no this is a person who's going to come live with us forever right and i imagine that this is kind of meant to be it of course it's meant to be for kids we know that but trying to account for everybody's experience yeah. with adoption uh because some families may be very experienced and others may not be at all so binky has a dream that night so important in his dreams before he meets his little sister he thinks that she's going to look just like him like he's not kind of taking the racial aspect into it so he dreams of being a tag team with his sister and they're called the pair 
of despair. So it's Binky with like a toddler, essentially a yes. little girl toddler. And they're fighting Bernie the bulldozer, which is uh, the wrestling gimmick that they're against in this dream. The I hope it's formula, uh, but the finishing <laughs> move they do against Bernie the bulldozer may involve spraying breast milk into his eyes. We don't know. It could be formula. It could be breast milk. Either way, it would definitely be uncomfortable to have that sprayed into your eyes. Well, as a private party like to say, this ain't water. So I guess uh, <laughs> this ain't formula. Um, and I like how, I mean, I'm always very cognizant of the fact that, you know, I watch wrestling a lot. Yes. So some a lot of times when you're just, you know, using wrestling as a goof or a gag, it doesn't have to follow the rules like a, the, the rules of wrestling as you know, the WWE does, but I appreciated that in this dream, they counted a pin mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. sometimes I find that when you're portraying wrestling, it's like, oh, and he's out for the count, like in boxing or like they'll just count the shoulders when nobody's on top of them. But this is like Binky's on top. One, two, three. No, oh, yeah, it speaks to an affinity for the forum. Yes. Or at least an understanding of it. Um. So Binky is really excited. He gets all packed up to go to China to get his sister. But it turns out that they're going to have to wait even up to a year before they get to see Binky's sister because there's a lot of forms that need to be done. And we eventually go through a bit of a process later where they have to, you know, get immunized and they have to basically jump through a lot of hoops in order to make this happen. Um, I guess now is maybe a, big, a good time to bring this up. So I kind of generally asked my wife Jenna's opinions and what she knows about international yeah. adoption. So, so, so before you get to the real details, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my background with this is that recently I watched the Michael Mann movie Feith, uh, and in okay. the Michael who stars in Feith, just give me a moment. Um, in the Michael Mann movie Feith, uh, it stars uh, uh, do, 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 do. Um, well, anyway, the character is a professional uh, ba uh, like safe cracker, um, yes. and he's obviously been incarcerated. Uh, and so he, there's a part where him and his girlfriend try to adopt, uh, do an adoption very similar to this. Um, and what ends up happening is they're like, okay, it's James Caan. Yes, James Caan starring in Thief. Uh, and so they're like, you uh, are not allowed to adopt uh, this baby because you uh, have been in prison. And so you're, you're at the bottom of the list. We have this super long list. Uh, and then the solution to that problem in that movie is the human traffic a baby. But anyway, uh, oh. yeah, I know. It's... <laughs> It's really wild. Um, but that was like my most recent uh, like reason to think about this whole process was in this old Michael Mann movie. Uh, so, Will, hit me with the facts. Let me know what's really going on. Right. So um, at least the facts as they go um, with with what my wife was talking about. So international adoption, very expensive. She her she put it in the ballpark of twenty to thirty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And that's just for the adoption process itself. Then you have to take care of a baby after that, which. Oh, boy. Um, it's also uh, this. This I found interesting. She tells me it's the easiest way to get a child below the age of two. So a, a baby mm -hmm. without physical disabilities in the current adoption system. I will, I will say in Canada, I could extend that to North America. But honestly, I'm this is secondhand information, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But a lot of babies who are in the system generally have some form of physical disability. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're kind of put up for adoption. And uh, Jenna also told me that a lot of um, a lot of 
people who give up their babies for adoption end up changing their mind. Like that's ah. pretty, that's pretty common. So I found that very interesting. Uh, she's a, she's a fountain of information for that kind of stuff. So I was kind of thinking about this as we're as we're talking as we're talking it through here. Uh, so Binky is upset that they have to wait so long, but he becomes the uh, the keeper of the checklist. So there's a checklist of things that they have to make sure that they do before they bring the baby home. So we get a little bit of a montage where, you know, they go and get a picture taken and Binky is has some kind of side notes uh, for how they should pose and how they should smile. Um they and then they kind of they're putting together essentially like a package, yeah, uh, like a portfolio almost. They, they do a one-on-one interview with the well, not one-on-one, but three-on-one interview with the adoption agency, um, and are vetted in that way as well. Yes, and eventually they they send a uh, a, a package in the mail as part of the whole process. Um, one of the things that they're also doing to get ready for the baby is that his mom is turning Binky's room into Binky's game room into the baby's room, which he's kind of upset about because yes. all of his all of his stuff is in there. And we see him later. He's trying to find exactly where his uh, checkers game is. But because the baby stuff is in there, he doesn't know where anything is anymore. Yeah, this is kind of the first uh, trouble in paradise, sense of trouble in paradise in that Binky up to this point has been. Uh, fairly game uh, for this whole process. He's been really uh, gung-ho and uh, kind of leading the charge, so to speak. Um, But once he learns that there's actually going to be some changes in his life, like, for instance, he's not going to have the game room anymore, he starts to... uh, have some misgivings about the whole thing and he's he's initially upset about the game room um it also seems like they're trying to um learn about chinese culture as well there's a lot of like they go to a chinese restaurant um binky's mom that's that's a chinese restaurant that they can go to now because binky's not allergic to the stuff there oh right that was another thing they mentioned is that he has peanut free egg rolls yeah Mm -hmm, exactly Um, which yeah in southeast asian cooking well i guess i suppose a lot of asian cooking (laughs) in general lots of peanuts um you'll hard challenge to find peanut free food in like south korea or something but yeah so they they go to this chinese restaurant that has peanut free options binky's trying to learn a little bit of chinese I, i i assume uh his is better than mine uh <laughs> that that sue ellen's teaching him so and um biggie's mom at this point also shares the fact that uh She's learned this North Chinese custom, which is uh, sewing this quilt. The I think was it a thousand wishes, Will? So it's called a it's called a baijabe, and yeah. it's called, it's a one thousand good wishes quilt. Yeah. And so it's yeah Northern Chinese tradition, like you said. So what they want to do is get a piece of fabric from like all the families they know, their family and friends, and they will stitch it together, and it'll be like a hundred good wishes for the child to come. So like for example, um, Buster gives Binky a ufo fabric and he just kind of says so she'll believe oh so good (laughs) uh like arthur has one pal gives him one which i thought was cute dw gives like a unicorn one and yeah this is where you can kind of tell that the the jealousy is starting to settle in a little bit for binky or at least kind of if not jealousy then just kind of you know pushing back against his life being uh markedly different this is where he also gets like his travel shot so he has to sacrifice a lot for the baby Mm. there's a Uh, i know someone someone 
someone at my work, um, through my work, we do a lot of traveling. Um, I travel a lot through Canada, but people who are kind of a different role than me travel throughout the world a lot um, pr prior to the pandemic. And uh, one of the people I work with pretty closely uh, was walking me through the process of what you have to do to go to China. Um, and for business purposes, it's a really significant process. Like you have to, oh, yeah, uh, you have to get all these special visas and you have to get permission. And there's like, you have to connect with someone who's already there. And then also, yeah, there's quite a few shots you have to get and and these steps to go through uh to go into china so this part very accurate i also wanted to um you you brought up a point here about how they're trying to include some kind of chi like some chinese traditions uh into the home essentially when they're bringing the baby in and this is something this is one more point from my wife that i wanted to kind of briefly bring up here um so international adoption is apparently a bit more controversial in the last decade than it was before because there's a heightened awareness now of people who have people who have come over to North America or um, kind of ang anglicized countries from uh, other countries um, be who it like who have who are now grown up and have kind of integrated into society, you know, or who are our age or older, uh, there's a heightened awareness of wanting children coming over from international adoption to be represented in their culture. So this is, I mean, look, I know that we, you know, you can always play the thing of like, well, nobody on earth has a, has a, you know, everybody has different skin tones because they're animals. So we don't right. have to we don't have to get too deep into the racial thing. And I because I know that there's that defense and everything. But we also have like Brainstein is Jewish brain is, you know, brain and his family celebrate Kwanzaa. So they have a African heritage. Binky, I th Binky, I think his family is, you know, at least culturally meant to be, you know, white of some degree, um, not Chinese. Let's mm -hmm. just say. Um, so it's, 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 it's a concept called transracialism. And I will tell you that I am not at all equipped to talk about it with any sense of authority, yes. but I, I, I have uh, kind of heard a little bit about the importance of raising a child with a different racial background than yours to understand their culture as it is their own. And it sounds like a really, it sounds like a daunting challenge. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I am similarly, I, I didn't have this conversation with your wife, so I'm even probably less equipped uh, right. to comment on this in a way that uh, just to make sure that I don't say anything not respectful or out of turn. But I think it seems like kind of a no brainer, uh, right? Like, I, yes, I, I, yes. at least want to make an effort uh, to try and say, you know, I think it, it, it always is important to understand where you come from. Um, and, and kind of, uh, the things that go along with that, both culturally and in, in a whole manner of ways. Uh, and so I think that, um, the fact that, uh, Biggie's parents are putting the effort, uh, again, way back when it was, uh, you were saying this is kind of a regular, uh, uh, relatively new phenomenon compared to kind of the 10 years prior. Um, it's, it's good that Biggie's parents are at least making the effort and trying to kind of maintain, uh, this Chinese culture and especially to learn more about Chinese culture. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am ill-equipped to say whether they're doing enough or they should be doing more or, or what's going on with that. But at least in this episode, um, it's nice to see them make an attempt um, yeah. that, was some, that was something in the back of my mind when they were like, eating at the Chinese food restaurant, right? Like lots of people know that um, I don't know what this restaurant's like, but the majority of Chinese food uh, around here isn't actually 
equivalent to what people are eating in China, right? Certainly like when you're getting, not, no. Uh, when you're getting orange chicken, that's not necessarily what people in China are eating. Like maybe Peking duck, sure, but it's it's a westernized version of Chinese yeah. food. So, um, you know, maybe their heart's in the right place, but, you know, maybe this uh, a thousand blanket, a thousand wish blanket tradition isn't as uh, uh, ingrained into North Chinese culture as she thinks, right? But... Um, all that being said, her heart's in the right uh, – Biggie's mom's heart's in the right place and Biggie's dad's heart's in the right place and they're, they're trying to put their best foot forward. But yeah, like like you said, I think we're both pretty ill-equipped to say if this is enough and if they should be doing more. Of course, and that wasn't to bring it up to be critical at all. I yeah. just wanted to kind of put it out there because this is uh, – yeah, th- this is something I think we're learning more about as we kind of just grow as a society and those children of adoption grow into people themselves. So I just found it really interesting and felt that merited bringing up here uh so there's a lot of yeah binky having to do a lot of sacrifices for the baby there's a lot of scenes that end with him just going hmm <laughs> just just kind of like resigning himself to having to do something he doesn't really want to do um he and he kind of talks about that um with the with the reeds uh they invite them over to see a picture of the baby and it made me realize we never really explored what because because Arthur is a strong part of both of this episode and we never really explored what Arthur had to sacrifice when DW or Kate came along. I mean, we know that we know that like Arthur had trouble adapting to Kate in terms of just as her big brother and as kind of a presence in her life. But we never, I don't know if we see so much exactly what Arthur had to give up to be a big brother for the first or second time. It just kind of made me realize that we don't, we don't, we don't have a lot of stories from when Arthur was like four or five of when, of when DW was brand new. Uh, and there's those stories tend to be season one stories. We even have a throwback. I think it's later on in this episode where once the baby actually arrives, um, DW mentions, uh, oh, you know, I'm an expert in taking care of babies, which yeah. is a uh, callback to an episode you were just referencing where um, my favorite you know, Arthur episode. Oh, that's your there we go. It makes sense that you would have remembered it where, you know, uh, DW is trying to calm the baby down and all of that stuff. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you're right. We, th- it, this is a that's a part of. Usually we get episodes with adult Arthur, well, adult Arthur, with third grade Arthur, um, and he's only that age in in flashback or briefly. Yeah. Um, In fact, Binky is displaced so much by the oncoming of his baby sister. He has this, he has a dream that he has literally, like he is physically shrunken down Mm. in the face Mm. of his sister taking up everything. This was a nightmare. Yes. So Binky uh, uh, has that George Shrink, George Shrink's type of swag where (laughs) at first I thought it was going to be a honey, I blew up the kid situation where just the baby was giant. But then you soon realize that the the parents are giant too. So uh, Binky really do be on his George Shrink stuff uh including the fact that his mom doesn't seem to acknowledge that he's now tiny um and then we get a dare i say vor sequence where binky is almost eaten by his sister which like you mentioned before still looks like binky in these in these dream sequences because that's what binky's expecting it's funny you brought up rugrats earlier because this really felt like it's I I was at right at the perfect time for rugrats to mess me up in terms of like my brain there's a couple of scenes from Rugrats episodes that re- that scared me to my core when I was like five or six years old. And this certainly would have been one of them. It's just the giant drooling baby that's coming towards it. Now, it's I think it's just like, oh, baby's drool, that kind of thing. But it looks like it's drooling out. Of, she's drooling out of hunger and Binky like running away. And then Binky uh, ends up falling into the like 
the bowl of milk or whatever that's uh, Binky's mom is feeding the baby, and then he gets caught up. This speaking of honey, I blew up the kid. This is a honey, I shrunk the kids moments where Binky's about to be eaten by the baby because his mom doesn't see him on the spoon. Yeah, I, I lots of disgusting kind of visceral milk stuff in this episode. Yeah, uh, I, between ugh. getting it sprayed into your eyes and now like just like soaking in milk uh, and then being eaten by like a slobbering baby. The whole thing is very visceral, very nasty. Lots of fluids involved. Um, really, cr- really creepy. Like yeah, it, and, and you know what? Sticks with you. Um, it's everything we're looking for from these Arthur dream sequences, right? <laughs> like this is, uh, they used to be coming, it seemed like once an episode, uh, an Arthur episode would have like a really crazy out there dream sequence that they're becoming fewer and farther in between. Um, so I think this hit the spot. And also you could tell um, this is going to be like an on ominous kind of scary one because the opening shot of this dream sequence is tiny binky and you see that nightlight in the background that's right uh, yes, and, and, good and catch. the, and the, and the, the you know they're trying to set the tone and be a little bit creepy when they have that giant night like i got the image <laughs> frozen right now uh binky is like sleeping in a uh matchbox and the nightlight's just looking at him yeah um, that so old yeah, clown nightlight good stuff yeah, and w- this isn't even the last dream sequence in this episode. We've already had two, and we've got another one coming up in the second half. So, yeah, Binky is, Binky is you know, starting to feel not so great about this whole thing. As he and as his parents wake him up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to the airport, I'm sure the flight's at 9, but they just want to leave then. <laughs> yes, the memes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, it's a universal childhood experience. So Binky is on the is on the plane he's just not feeling very good he's got the kid kicking his seat and just like it's like you you want to stop kicking or you want me to make you stop kicking and it's just like this is what we all wish we could do um but binky's very frustrated and then finally his mom reveals that they made so they made the baby a bajabe but they made binky a bajabe too of all of these patches of like there's a bionic bunny patch on there there's a bunch of patches that are just about like binky's favorite things and i thought that was so cute that is very cute it was a really nice way to kind of juggle this whole thing because of course it's happens with even either you know naturally born siblings or adopted siblings or whatever there's the feeling sometimes of the other kid kind of being left out so i think this was a great way to manage that great move by Binky's parents. It's also, you know, this is kind of the natural end point of the quote-unquote first half of the episode. This is kind of where the first episode would be ending and the next episode beginning. And so it kind of resolves that initial um, kind of worry that Binky has about this whole situation because he really opens up with his mom and talks about his anxieties about the situation and then she presents him with the blanket to show that she still cares about him. So that's us kind of closing the book, so to speak, on the first arc of this greater storyline. Also, I just looked up how long a flight from Massachusetts to uh, Beijing would be. Yes. Uh, it is 26 hours. God, the longest i've taken i think is half of that so and that was awful (laughs) so no thing but then but then again what i wouldn't give to be flying somewhere right now oh i know safely right (laughs) i I mean I'll, i'll talk about this a little bit more um in this next montage but uh, it's this episode is kind of a synchronicity in that I've been thinking a lot about China and how much I would love to visit China. Yeah, um, it's it's near the top of my list of places I want to see someday. Um, and boy, howdy, as like a kind of almost postcards from Buster uh, advertisement for Chinese tourism, I was like, man, I want to go to China. So. I want to go anywhere, like you said, but I want to go to China in particularly so, so, so bad. Um, and yeah, that's basically what we get in this next part is this this kind of tr- China travel montage. 
Yeah, it's actually it's actually really cool. It's funny that it's like a binky episode of all things that gets us into like modern China. But, <laughs> uh, you know, he kind of samples the food. Uh, he does a big, uh, big, big noodle in a bowl. He uh, encounters a friendly grasshopper that he sets free. Um, we also learn that Binky's sister's name is Mei Lin. So mm-hmm. that's that's the baby they'll be bringing home. And then after that montage, which, again, is very, very nice for us, you know, kind of travel state individuals, most of us. Um, so they go to, they go to visit and bring home Mei Lin. She's some cute, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mei Lin. And, and this is I mean, I guess now is the time to talk about this. Um, right when I realized what this episode was about, I was like, OK, they simply have to keep Maylin as a character. This is not going to be Toadie. Like, we can't just right. <laughs> forget about Maylin in the next episode of Arthur. So, you know, throughout this whole season, me and you have been talking over and over again about, oh, they keep introducing things that seem like they'll actually be a lasting yeah. change that won't be. You know, Nadine, DW growing out of Nadine, for one. There was there was another one that I can't quite remember off the top of my head. The, um, it's Stanley. Uh, Stanley being kind of, well, I mean, I, okay, I guess that one did stick, so bad example. But, uh, and that might have been last season. Uh, the other one was Nadine, and I think it was something to do with Buster. Oh, it was him growing out of... Um, uh, oh, sorry. Bionic Bunny. Buster Bionic growing, Bunny. Yeah, Thank Buster you. moving out for Bionic Bunny. Uh, 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 DW growing out of Nadine. And so this is like... What's so exciting about this is this is a very real change um, that they have to keep, right? This is, uh, this is a whole-ass baby. You can't yes. just not have the baby anymore. Yeah, and, and it, what's really exciting is it's a change happening to kind of one of our favorite characters. One of the yeah. characters that we look forward to the episodes the most. And so it kind of opens up all these new writing opportunities for Binky. There's all these new experiences and storylines that Binky can be involved with um, that weren't uh, available before. So that's really exciting. Furthermore, um, you know, we have a new character for the DW universe, hopefully. Yeah, uh, we'll, get, we'll get back to we'll get to that near the end of the episode. Yeah, but and, it and, is... and, and if there's anything that needed freshening up, it was the, the Kate and DW stuff. <laughs> so... Yeah, they, they're Maylin is now a part of the Maylin Barnes, I guess you would call her, which, you know, we'll 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 get used to calling her that doesn't exactly fit with her lovely first name, but whatever. So Binky very much wants to go see um, uh, it's what what type of theater was he was he looking to see? Oh, it was the um, uh, it, it was a adaptation of um, the Monkey King, the Monkey King. That's yes, right. Yes. Which and Binky, so like again, this is why Binky rules. But because he loves ballet, he loves the fine arts, of course. But Binky's so cultured, right? Like um, some people, I feel like would go to China and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, that's like this weird uh, cultural thing that I don't understand." I mean, um, specifically if they're like a third grader, right? I can't imagine any third graders I know being like so stoked to go see the Monkey King, but Binky's like, they have some of the best um, gymnasts in the world uh, uh, participating in this. And so it's, it's, Again, just another reason to like Binky that he has such kind of a unquenchable thirst for different cultures and and he's really uh, trying to make the most of this experience. But a potential reason to not like Binky's parents, they're the type to bring a baby to a theater. Yeah, they should have known better. I mean, they Binky's dad hems and haws uh, in a way where you're like, okay, he probably knew that this was kind of a bad idea. Uh, but Binky mom, Binky's mom finally succumbs to Binky uh, begging to go and they bring the baby and immediately the baby starts crying and they're like, okay, we got to leave. 
But Binky manages to pacify her by blowing up his cheeks like a chipmunk, and it manages to calm her down. Uh, seems to have almost a supernatural way of doing that. And, Even and every time he does this, there's a gong sound effect. Is there? I think yeah. I missed that. Yeah, every single time, except for the uh, the last time he does it, when it doesn't work, it goes gong. Every time hmm. he pops up his cheeks like that, which I'm not sure how I feel about. Yeah. Uh, but Let's say it has a field power bonus in China and, uh, and uh, leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> um, he also does that later when they bring Mei Lin home on the flight and a baby on a flight. Yikes. This yeah. is, I mean, look, you got to do what you got to do in this situation, but like babies on planes, oof, I feel, felt really bad for them. They And they even, we even get the like, can you please quiet your baby? I'm like, oh God, this is like a nightmare to me. Mm-hmm. 26 hour flight at that. Oh God. So yeah, he's able to get her to stop crying by blowing up his cheeks and he explains it later to Arthur and Buster and Buster calls it a special gift that he has. In fact, Binky imagines going on a... Uh, a television show as Binky the human pacifier as the ma- the the boy who is able to pacify babies with just one simple face he's even able to get a kitten to stop uh crying which is a little bit weird it reminded me of that sketch from did you did you watch i think you should leave i did watch i think you should leave i can't believe someone else did that that show i don't think lasted longer than a season right i listen i bet hmm i wonder how it holds up at the time uh i think i had more of an appetite for improv comedy that i that i do now uh but i uh really liked that show at the time so i watched it the first time and i kind of didn't like it and then i watched it again with jenna a couple months ago and i re and i got it so this reminds me of the uh the uh the 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 baby sketch whatever that was like the baby awards or whatever oh, that is yeah, yeah, yeah sorry i was confused for a second i was thinking of thank god you're here but yes i ha- i did watch i think you should leave of course the the infamous you know hot dog who could have done this uh but yeah i liked that show yeah, so it just kind of reminded me of that sketch a little bit. This Binky the Human Pacifier. Mm. He's like a late night TV show guest kind of thing. Um, so Binky wants to prove that he has this like supernatural power over like uh, helping May Lynn to calm down. So uh, he invites Buster and Arthur over uh, to wait until she starts starts crying. But they have to wait for a while. So they even play no guessing waiting for May Lynn to start crying. Another, uh, another callback, and it's similarly to the original No Guessing episode, Biggie throws his head back and throws up the double peace sign and goes, I win! Yeah, uh, that was just, great. Just like in the original No Guessing episode. Uh, there's a great quote here where, um, you know, Buster and Arthur are starting to get impatient because they really want her to cry so they could see Binky do his trick. Um, and Binky kind of indignantly goes, uh, she'll cry when she's good and ready. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually she does start crying and Binky tries the face and it doesn't work. But Arthur helps her out, gives her the rattle back, and that helps her stop crying. And we get a little, a quick little montage here of Binky trying to use both the face and different methods to help her stop crying. But every time she sees Arthur, she calms down. So uh, Binky starts fearing that Arthur is the real human pacifier and is a better older brother than him. We get this little thing in the park where she's crying on her stroller and Binky makes like antlers out of these sticks and then Arthur rides by and she stops crying. Then we get this weird cut to George on the swing set. <laughs> See, he's I kinda, like, He's I just kind of smiling and I'm like, would George and other moose in the show find Binky's gesture offensive? 
Well, I, I thought this was funny because it's, what is he saying? He's like, I'm the flying, oh, I'm the dancing moose. Yeah. And then it cuts to George. And this was like a Simpsons joke or something uh, with George kind of awkwardly looking at Binky and Binky looking back at him, holding his antlers. George doesn't seem, he seems nonplussed by it. George has like a big smile on his face. is just kind of like looking dopey uh, at Binky uh, pretending to be a moose. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the, we'd have to ask the other moose that has appeared on the show, Art Garfunkel. Um, what he thinks of Binky's antics here. Um, speaking of Binky and antics, uh, we get a great sequence, and this is another one where it's like, you'd have to be an adult to understand this joke, but uh, Brain's ice cream shop has kind of been the stand-in uh, as, like, the bar that Binky, like, uh, spills <laughs> yeah. out his heart to, all of his heartaches and his troubles, uh, because he's, like, making this really big Sunday order, uh, and and... Brain basically asks him the equivalent of, oh, tough day, Binky, like, as if Binky <laughs> was kind of drinking away his woes. Another round, Barnes. Yeah. yeah something like that. Uh, Binky orders a banana split, which, whew, I love a banana split right now. I really would. Uh, what it, Brain, Brain gives him a piece of advice here that he decides to try on May Lynn. Do you remember what it was? Oh, I actually don't remember what it was. He kind of gives him like marching orders. Uh, and yeah, I'm sorry. I usually have the episode in front of me, but I had to close it because I don't want it to interfere with audition. So uh, I, I don't remember what it was, but I think it's like anyway, brain kind of gives him his next directive and Binky tries something out on May Lynn. Oh, but still- it's, it's the lullaby. The lullaby, thank you. Yeah, he's like, try singing a lullaby to it. You know, music is supposed to stimulate children, yada, yada, yada. Yes, uh, yes. And Biggie tries, but he's kind of like scream delivering the lullaby. He's delivering the <laughs> lullaby as if he was like Fred Durst or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you could take that soother and stick it up your... And so yeah. uh, 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 it doesn't work. And Binky's mom kind of ushers. I did it all for the cookie. The what? The cookie. (laughs) And 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 so on. Uh, There's animation error when he does that, and you know I'm not blaming. I hope somebody got fired for that error, but I just noticed it. Uh, Binky sings the lullaby in his green pajamas, but then they shoot him from the back, and he's in his orange shirt. So just wanted to say that I noticed it, and I'm such a smart boy. and this is where we get our final Binky dream in the episode. So three in total for this one story. Uh, he dreams about not being able to stop Mei Lin from crying. Now, I wonder if this is another reference to something. It kind of reminded me of the movie Hero a little bit, where it's like uh, Mei Lin is on this kind of throne in a Chinese throne room. And Binky tries everything in his arsenal to get her to stop crying. And then Arthur does one little thing and he manages to to get her to stop crying immediately the setup because like her cries are like ringing throughout the kingdom and they tried everything and they can't stop her from crying it reminds me of the goron temple from majora's mask where like the little goron's father died so he's been crying the whole time and as soon as you enter the temple you can just hear his cries throughout the temple and all the gorons are like oh and they keep covering their ears <laughs> the the art in this sequence is pretty good too um like i like the image of like this big ornate throne she's sitting on um but with like 20 to 25 pillows so she can actually like sit on it comfortably because uh, otherwise it would just be this massive chair with this little yeah. baby um but yeah so yeah that's the whole thing is that binky in the in the dream is upset that he can't 
you know, you know, the, the, the root of it is that Binky thinks he's an inferior big brother to someone like Arthur. Yes. Who's, who's got practice with two different sisters. Right. And and that's basically for the second half. That's Binky's main anxiety, right? Is that Mm -hmm. he is, is not as a good big brother as Arthur is, or, you know, the baby likes Arthur more than him. So we've kind of switched gears from Binky being jealous of the baby to now Binky being jealous of the baby, uh, getting attention, uh, the baby, others who are getting more attention than the baby <laughs> right yeah um the next scene has them at the chinese restaurant again and the reeds walk in and and binky's family is like oh we should invite them over and binky's like no the maylin likes arthur more than me but through the whole thing she's uh she starts does she does she start crying eventually like she kind of flicks her baby food over at binky and it makes her laugh yes and then binky binky blows a raspberry at her and she blows one back at him and she's like he's like hey i taught her how to do something uh we get a great line from dw here where she says i learn a lot from arthur because he makes so many mistakes (laughs) yeah she goes when he does something i should just do the opposite right so the the message here being that uh binky has actually been an in, like he is an influence on Malin's life and uh he can still be a good big brother to her even if he can't stop her from crying all the time and we end off the episode so you mentioned this earlier um i got very ex- i actually got kind of excited which is weird because we haven't been so high on the kate and pal episodes but kate and Malin are talking to each other first we see them talking to each other in baby and then we go over to them and it's like kate and Malin with their adult voices uh i also i also wanted to note that so with a lot of kate's noises that she makes as like as a baby it's like kind of stock baby noises and i noticed that with Malin, she has different baby sounds i imagine it's one of the grown-up voice actors um, just kind of making baby yeah, baby pretend, talk noises. Pretending to coo and, and such. Yeah. So Kate and Maylin talk to each other and they talk about how um, how strange it is that uh, Art, that Art, both Arthur and Binky love playing peekaboo with them, even though it's completely boring for the two of them. And they just kind of uh, put on put on airs or what's the word I'm looking for? Like they just kind of pretend that they like it for to spare yeah. their feelings. I think Kate's like smile and clap, smile yeah, clap, and clap, clap and laugh, yeah. clap and laugh. So they're already going through the the motions with this. So you're right. This could be a hint that for for future Kate and Pal episodes, we may see May Lynn in that in that respect. But I do hope that we see her again in, in Binky's stories too. Because I think that would be yeah. uh, a way to do different type of binky binky centered stories without kind of going over you know well well worn ground at this point. Yeah, I agree. Like we said, it's it's it's, it's a new dimension um, for both Binky and for the kind of the younger characters. So exciting stuff! And lots of lots of different ways they could go with it. Exciting stuff indeed. And that's it. That is Arthur season 11, the final episode. It was a double. So we kind of pulled a double here. Lucas, did Big Brother Binky live up to your expectations? It's funny. uh, Episodes like this almost, almost make me wish that every episode of Arthur was a self-contained 24-minute story because um, I feel like these stories have so much impact um, and and they really, often when we're criticizing Arthur, unless it's an episode that's straight up bad, we're usually criticizing, oh, you know, this wrapped up too quickly or the way that they told this story, you know, they had to, the, the third act wraps up so quickly, they, they could have used more time here, they could have spent more time on this. When they really give these episodes 24 minutes to breathe, it feels like all the individual parts kind of have 
have that room to breathe and they can tell a more in-depth story now yeah. i feel like it would be less special this is why i say it, almost is it, i don't think every arthur episode uh demands this level of complexity <laughs> right. um, there's lots of episodes that are fitting very well into 11 minutes and if you were to try to stretch them out to 24 they would become boring or you know you'd have to fill them up with filler so i think this is a good way of doing it of um waiting for these like really important almost show changing moments to kind of do one of these episodes i like the idea of like having one of these at the end of the season every time because um, it makes them feel really special and I think this episode kind of lives up to that specialness I, I really really enjoyed it um, maybe part of it is because of bias because I was like I just loved seeing you know China animated by the Arthur yes. team um, that was such a treat uh, but I think that um, Binky is an excellent character uh, to choose to go on this journey of having an adopted uh, sibling um, and you know like we said before we're not experts on the subject at least i certainly am not but it seems like they talked about the adoption process particularly the international adoption process they uh, uh treated it with the appropriate level of uh, respect and research um and so yeah all in all I think it kind of hits on the main things that we expect from an Arthur episode, which is it's funny, um, it's entertaining, and I think that the uh, way that the lesson or kind of uh, the arc of the episode is told is nuanced and well done. So I, I really enjoyed Big Brother Binky, and I think it's kind of leaving the season on a high note. What about yourself, Will? I did like it too. Um, I think that if you were to go more in depth with like how adoption works, like it's funny you talk about how, right, when sometimes you compress an Arthur episode into 11 minutes and you would really love to have more time. So with this one, I am glad that they had more time. You're right. Other times you definitely wouldn't want to push it past that. I think that in a way, you could have explained more about the adoption process or what it's like to have an adopted like like you could have gone deeper. But at the same time, then you would start to veer into like very special episode territory and it would be like, well, yeah, but there's other shows that can kind of do that with more of a real world depth. So for a big change to one of the characters, and I do hope that this is a lasting change, um, you have I think you have an appropriate amount of time to illustrate what Binky is having to sacrifice and what it means for him, for him to have this new role and we didn't give it away where it's like clearly I, I think they both like each other Maylin and Binky for as much as Maylin can like Binky but I still think that there's room to grow there like I think that there's still time for Binky to uh, I think he does care about her but i look forward to hopefully them having adventures together where that can kind of deepen or he, he can kind of become more and more each other's sibling so i i i hope that this isn't the kind of thing where i'm saying and the people who know more about arthur than me in the audience are like yeah sorry it doesn't go like that i can hope that's what i'm hoping for so as it stands, I thought this episode was was good. You know, you can usually trust Binky episodes for a level of quality. He wasn't so much. He wasn't as funny as he usually is in this one. But I think it's good. I think Binky has is one of the more complex characters of Arthur. So you can have him be less funny, but also still have him be fairly interesting. You know, there was a lot of development going on. Um, I personally learned a lot about the uh, international adoption from my wife. The, the kind of questions that were spurred from this. I think that this episode is good for introducing the concept of adoption. It feels like something that Arthur's been kind of overdue for. So, you know, better late than never. But uh, I certainly hope this isn't the last time um, 
he just some of these things that you sort of take for sort of take for granted i guess it's like when you learn about adoption as a kid and you know if if adoption isn't part of your direct family then you can kind of go like okay cool but i imagine that people who are in families with adopted children could use a bit more representation in this regard. And I think this is a nice step towards that. So we'll see if anything really comes of it. You're right. uh, It was very nice to change locales for this one. It wasn't all just Elwood City based. It was Elwood City in China. And yeah, I like Mei Lin. I think she's cute. Uh, I hope that this is a more lasting change. This makes me hopeful for more lasting change than some of the other stuff we've seen this this season. And it's funny that we have that kind of through line through season 11 as we uh, look to close the book on uh, another season of Arthur. So, th- yeah. It also goes goes to show that, I mean, I, I don't think up to this point we've had a Asian character on Arthur. This is something that people have been talking about more and more lately, about Asian representation in media and stuff. And yes. uh, up to this point, none of the main cast has been, like like you said before, it's they're kind of barely racialized in that they're all animals. And it's more of a cultural thing. Like, oh, we, we might assume that Brain is black because he celebrates Kwanzaa, but we don't really know. Um, but we yeah. know for a fact that Valen's Chinese and so um, there's uh, like you said and I I almost think that it's better that they kind of didn't answer all of our questions in this episode because it shows how much possibility there is with this it's just up to them to kind of um, you know deliver on that possibility yeah it's exciting and uh, leave us wanting more for another season of Arthur which we'll be covering very very soon here on the show but let's get it together here Um, in case you aren't aware over on patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits there is a free update for our schedule for the month of April going into May I will be sure to post that before the episode goes out I keep meaning to and forgetting I apologize but we talked about this this came out a week or two ago so we're talking about everything that's coming your way because around the end of this of an Arthur season we like to do a couple of things maybe a little differently so here is what you can expect in the next couple of weeks both on the Patreon and here on the free feed so next week um, we are on a Lucas centric week for for the kids a PBS kids podcast and after much deliberation uh, Lucas has decided that his pick is going to be Curious George there's going to be a lot to dig in There he is right now. Uh, There's going to be a lot to dig in with Curious George, a very long history, and I look forward to researching it and to talking about the show, which is now, I think, I think this is like Curious George is like a new PBS kids staple. Uh, It's more of a recent show. So I'll be interested to talk about that with Lucas because uh, we both, I'm sure, have a bit of a history with that curious little monkey and the man in the yellow hat. And then the next on the free feed is going to be our season 11 recap, which is where we talk about the season that was and we rank our top five episodes and we're going to do something a little bit extra. We're going to be putting on a we're going to be attaching a separate review to that episode and it's just just a little review for fun. We're not going to go super in depth to it because it happens to be something that we've talked about before. Sort of. What I mean is that in two weeks, you're going to be hearing from us with the season 11 recap, our top five episodes, and we're going to be giving a little mini review of a Mr. Rogers episode, an episode of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, where Mr. Rogers himself reads an Arthur 
book. So we've talked about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on For the Kids, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, so we won't be going big into the history or anything like that, but I felt this was an important part of Arthur Arthur's kind of pre pre-cartoon chronology that I would that I would like for us to talk about and something for the end of the season to keep you guys interested. And then after that, we're also going to be getting into <sighs> the ECL movie review is going to yes, be returning. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it, Will. I know you have. Uh, and, and I'm not I, saying, I, I read your letterbox. And, and yes, folks who are, are looking for spoilers for the ECL movie review could go look at the letterbox uh, if you so please. But I'm not saying anything on here until Will sees it and we have our official discussion. I don't want to color Will's expectations too much. Uh, but let's just say I'm excited uh, to talk it over. We, we continue the streak of ECL video game movie reviews uh, with Monster which I meant Hunter. To be which I meant to be cartoon movie reviews, but somehow this got spun into video game reviews, and now I guess I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, I'm weak-willed, so I just decided to go along with it, and I, sometimes I just can't say no to Lucas. So in three weeks, <laughs> On the Patreon, the ECL movie review returns with the Monster Hunter movie? Well, okay. okay. One little spoiler. There is a cartoon cat that makes a meal at one point. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe maybe this movie can be salvaged after all. We'll, we'll see. And then in four weeks' time, in a month's time, we will be back with the brand not brand new, the, the brand new episode of ECL where we'll be talking about season 12 of Arthur. We're moving into the late 2000s now and we have a few changes to talk about and the first episode is going to be Is That Kosher? And Never, Never, Never. That's the name and that's what we will be talking about in, geez, in, in a month's time. So by the end of April, we will be back on a new season schedule of Elwood City Limits. If you can't get enough of us until then, of course, you have the Patreon, but we will have something coming out for you in two weeks. That's the Season 11 recap, along with our Mr. Rogers review, which I think will just be a fun little thing to do. I'm actually really excited to uh, watch a little bit of Mr. Rogers again. Can't have too much of that ha of that pleasant man in your life, I don't think. So, Lucas, it was a fun season to go through, and we're going to have our thoughts on it very soon. And uh, glad to have you back once again. I, I, I don't know if I could have uh, ushered out the season without you. Wouldn't have felt right, especially a double episode and a binky episode. It wouldn't have been right without you. Well, no, and I'm glad to be back, Will. Uh, exciting times. We're, we're wrapping up the season. Uh, it's, it's lots to look forward to in the world of Elwood City Limits. So until we see, uh, until you hear from us again, either on the Patreon or in two weeks' time with the end of season eleven, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, uh, for your sister's quilt, so she'll believe. We'll see you next time. Sanchen, everybody. Ooh, that was extra bad. Sanchen. <laughs>